Hello and welcome to the Non-Breaking Space Show. Our guest for this episode is Scott Killam, who's a designer at Vox Media, creating beautiful features for The Verge, and he's also worked at SB Nation and Polygon. Your hosts for this episode are Christopher Schmidt and Dave McFarlane. Christopher is hosting the online CSS Summit next week, at least as of this recording. They're bringing together some of the web's most notable experts in CSS and SAS for an all-new three-day online conference July 23rd to July 25th in the 2013s. Check out details and tickets at cssummit.com. Be sure to pick up his latest book, that's Christopher's, Designing Web and Mobile Graphics, sold at dwmgbook.com and wherever fine and illicit books are sold. Dave's latest book is CSS, The Missing Manual. It's an awesome book. You should check it out on amazon.com. And all this stuff, of course, is on and in our show notes at nonbreakingspace.tv. So thanks for listening to our show. It was a blast to get all nerdy and sassy with Scott Kellum. If you love it, please leave us a rating or review in iTunes. Dave wakes up every morning and runs to his computer to check for new reviews. You don't want to make Dave sad, do you? So enjoy the show. So, Scott, thanks for being here on the show. Hey, great to be here. Cool. Uh, we're honored to have you. Um, one, the first question we ask for our, all our guests is, how did you get into web design? So. Um, yeah. Um, well, I guess I, I've always been around computers. I grew up uh, around computers. My dad and I used to, as kind of a hobby, fix up old computers and then give them away. Mm. Um, I'm not sure what people did with them. They were like old 280s that only ran in DOS. Um, didn't connect to the internet, didn't really do anything very useful. Um, but it's, it's always been something I've been familiar with and I've always wanted to be a designer. Um, so I didn't get on the internet until I guess fairly late. Um, I do remember going over to, uh, friends' houses and seeing like dancing baby and like being blown away by those things. <laughs> oh, I love uh, that. <laughs> yeah, uh, First memes, you know, they're they're still amazing today. You never um, forget your first meme. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, other than that, I guess traditionally, uh, I, well, I went to college at Parsons, which is a design school, and took sort of all graphic design program. Um, did like letterpress and screen printing because you know it's fun to do stuff off the computer sometimes, um, and I've. I've always been fascinated with CSS as a language, um, just because that is a very design-focused language. You know, mm -hmm. if you want to make something red, you just say like "background red," mm -hmm. um, and it it just really resonated with me. Um, I'm fascinated between this sort of intersection of uh, design and code, and sort of how you can qu quickly make things up and uh, make really unique and elaborate things. Um, with just simple instructions. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how I got into it. I also did typeface design for a couple of years. Mm. Um, you know, just fresh out of college, I worked at Darden Studio um, where we made typefaces like Omnis, um, Freight, and a few others. Um, and then I got into Tree Saver, which is like a, a magazine layout system for the web. Um, so this was just as the iPad was coming out. Uh, people still wanted apps. They didn't want a website that did things because having something in the store is... Uh, Cooler. 
kind of yeah that's all they care about <laughs> um, so like <laughs> like well that's kind of interesting too because like i have a wired subscription i can yeah. never have fine time to read the, the magazine and i have my ipad always around but i can't wait to download 80 to 100 meg megabytes on my uh or whatever how big the magazine is so i never saw so a subscription to a wired magazine to download which i can't read however if it was on the website i could probably just like go to the website and just read the article right just yeah so, so is and so what was tree saver if you don't mind me asking i just want to like what was it uh, like a more unique robust layouts or like what was the was it was it more automated to like to get indesign document and put it's that? it's it's not automated like that it mm. does um algorithmic layout for the web so uh, it's it's very much like css regions um mm. But it's a little bit smarter than that, um, and it paginates your your content. Okay. Awesome. So if you're on an iPad, you can swipe through it um, like you would uh, the wired iPad app, mm-hmm. um, and you don't design everything. You design a template, so you don't design a specific article. Right. Um, you just kind of pick a template. You throw in images. You throw in your text, um, and then. TreeSaver goes in there and looks at, all right, can this image fit on this page? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it scores. It has a scoring system inside mm-hmm. of it. Um, so if you can show a big, beautiful image um, that's somewhat relation, in relation to where it is in the text, mm-hmm. it will try to display that on that page. Um, so, yeah, it's a, so it's, so it was it's, a really cool system. So it's art directions for images? Yeah, it was all like programmatically done. Um, oh, cool. The we did have some issues with the uh, director of photography. Mm-hmm. You know, she was, you know, this had to be next to this text, and on every screen size, you know, you, you're not entirely sure what's going to land next to something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- it is a little bit of voodoo in there, um, but you know, in in general, it was like. Pretty groundbreaking for yeah, what it no, was. I remember when it came out. I mean, that's a it's Roger Black, right? It was behind. Yeah, that's season. right. Yeah, so it was like a really big thing. What happened to it? Um, I guess uh, it never flew. The, the publishing industry is very fickle. Yeah. Um, and we were, you know, we had big aspirations, and it's it's pretty hard to get, um, you know, the big companies to get on board with it. So. Uh, it's it's still around in a sort of public facing term, uh, public facing way. It's turned into Savory.io, um, but I I left and went to the Verge, uh, and um, Vox Media where I did the SB Nation redesign and I now work on editorial um, editorial feature layout for the Verge. Cool. Yeah. Tell us about the Verge because that's a you know. An awesome site and very cutting edge with what you're doing and great reporting. Thanks. Yeah, one of the things I love about Vox Media in, in particular, um, all of our verticals are very focused on the content, focused on you know the very very quality writing um, and curation as well. Like our homepage isn't just a list of um, a list of articles in re- reverse chronological order. Um, everything is formatted in a way like a newspaper where the important stuff is explicitly put at the top uh, because that's what's important. Um, and I work on features, which are like our 
you know, our cover stories are really important ones. Um, and it's kind of fun to take something, talk with a, a writer, um, see what their needs are, see kind of what the voice of the piece is going to be, and then make a layout that reflects that. Um, so like if you're doing an article about Facebook, um, we did one about chat heads and we kind of mocked up in using CSS and, and some um, JavaScript parallaxy things, um, the chat heads and kind of brought brought elements from their interface and brought elements from the article into the um, the visual presentation of it. Um, so yeah, we, we try to focus a lot on that stuff, try to make each experience special in these features. Cool. Which What's the name of that feature? Um, let me pull it up. It's, it's about chat heads and... Uh, is, it, is it chat heads? Talking heads, how... Talking heads, how a late night hack turned into a into Facebook's next big thing. Well, there's also um, uh, article spread that you did for arcade games. Yeah, that, that was pretty fun. So, um, and we um, talked about uh, like so. What what kind of things that like, go into like on the technology side? Like, I can understand talking to a writer and saying. Or like I'm not sure this was it the writer you're talking to or maybe the editor. I'm not sure about the, the feel of the piece for for that one. Um yeah, it's we usually have like a kickoff meeting with uh the whole team because we do a lot of video stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um and this this process is evolving as well. We try to get better at it. It's a fairly lean team. There's just um myself and another designer, James Che, on the um designing these these features. Um so yeah, it's we just kind of communicate. Um, there's a lot of just cross chatter, and uh, we use IRC and Campfire um, just to like chat back and forth, see what needs to get done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we also have just like a kickoff meeting, um, follow up meetings if it's a very big piece. Um, we go down and see see what video is doing, see if they have a new cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's very back and forth. Pretty much anybody who has an idea just kind of jumps up. Um, so is everyone? I, I guess in in that in that type of uh, realm, like people are well versed in you know the web and uh, visual style of the web, and can like talk about like they might not know the code per se, but they understand like a general working knowledge of the CSS and HTML and, and stuff like that. So, or is it- yeah, one of the, one of the. Um, the perks, I guess, at Working at the Verge is, uh, as opposed to SB Nation or one of the other verticals, everyone kind of understands what's mm-hmm. going on behind the scenes. Okay. Um, there's also opinions, you know, um, they'll see, they're very much in tune with what else is going on. So we also need that feature and that feature from all over the place. Um, but uh, yeah, in general, like a lot of the editors, can get into the HTML and start editing some basic things, um, and that that's a little bit easier because it's a little bit less hand holding on my part. Right. Um, and yeah, it's everyone's kind of on a, a somewhat similar playing field um, in terms of the knowledge base and what needs to get done. 
So what's the publishing platform that you use for this? Um, we use uh, something that's entirely built in-house called Chorus, and that's like our modern media stack. So um, it's not just all of the, the content and layout that goes into it. Um, our advertising platform is run through it, um, and it's, you know, pretty much everything that goes into it is is run by Chorus. Um, and it, it runs all of our different verticals. So all of our three verticals are running on this same app. Um, so we're that's something that we're constantly working on. And, and uh, it's been a ground-up effort um, at our company. So we've also like integrated, because these features require so much custom code, we've integrated like a SaaS editor into it. Mm. Um, wow, cool. Yeah. Uh, so right next to the HTML and the post, um, you can open up a little sort of advanced styling window. Um, and that's that's been really useful because, um, you know, if you want to change up the pull quotes or do some dramatics, um, dramatic like styling change to it, mm -hmm. um, I've sort of coded some mix-ins in the background. So you just call like uh, at include pull quotes, and then you can list a number of colors, and that makes a gradient of that color. So all the pull mm -hmm. quotes show up as like this, um, with all of these kind of elaborate styles that you know. So you don't have to like inspect and get into it and yeah, kind of you don't have to do as much digging. You can just kind of like quickly pull mm. things together. Right. Wow, cool. So it's sort of so, like sort of like art direction on a per article level or per post level. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's awesome, yeah, because like, uh, you know, because Jason Samaria talked about doing art direction for websites, but you know, at the time, or maybe not at the time, but we had, but you know, just to get a workflow going for most online publications, who also do a print, you know, piece as well, you know, and I have a print, you know, run of newspapers or whatever. I just, you know, I just know there's like someone in the USA Today uh, was someone from USA Today was was in the audience was just like. It's like there's like no way that they're gonna get like like art direction on a on that on a granular level to do that. So like so so that's just a cool idea. Just to like have a window open and just just for SAS, um, just writing SAS just straight into it that affects just that. So what's how fast can you pump out one of these features? Um, you know, it's we have a kind of a range of one to five high high to low touch. Um, a high touch one usually takes, you know, a few weeks of development, something like that. And it's not like, you know, that's we're sitting down, we know what we want, and we're just like cranking it out. There's so much back and forth. There's so much design that happens in the code. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to like just say, you know, it takes X amount of time. Um, but I guess to to give you a general idea, we crank out maybe. Uh, about three features a week um, between two people. Uh -huh. um, maybe actually a few more than that, actually. Uh, so it's, it is a fairly sizable chunk of, of time, but it's not, nothing like Snowfall, um, which is a fantastic piece by the New York Times, which is art-directed, but it took a, a huge team of people months to do. Right. Um, so, so but, yeah, we... But but your publications have a range of, of of types, I assume. So there's some stuff you can just just news that you just publish immediately. There's very little art direction. There's a 
kind of straightforward CMS and layout around publishing certain things. So you just get them out, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, cool. Yeah, those, like there's a little Verge favorite and like the smaller stuff that, you know, we, we kind of have down to science and we just fill that in. Um, yeah. Cool. So you guys have three publications, right? It's the Verge SB Nation. What's that? SB Nation is our as sports blogs. Um, it's not just one single site, although SBNation.com is kind of the uh, umbrella. It's a collection of over 300 different blogs. Um, so in that rebranding effort, we had to find some way to give each each one a unique voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but also maintain our sanity and maintain consistency across the entire network, uh, which was quite a feat. Um, you know, I'm not sure we quite achieved our goals on the sanity part, but, uh, <laughs> you know, everything else, like, I'm, I'm so happy with how it turned out. Um, and like, uh, again, we use SAS to manage the colors across the entire network. So all of those are, um, we use variables and then yep. uh, a different color got populated for each network um, and different uh, so so a few different styles changed and it really allowed us to to uh, carry that that blog's voice uh, right across cool. to that to that design so I, um, I was just checking out polygon SB nation those are two other publications both of both of those are responsive designs but the verge isn't what's up with that uh, the verge was made like a, a year and a half ago. Oh, um, I see. So it was, I mean, it was when responsive design was talked about, but, <laughs> right. but the project was uh, still underway. Um, yeah, it was, it's something that we're talking about. Um, so what do you do? The, for, uh, I haven't looked at on mobile. Is there just a separate mobile site? Is that how you deal with mobile for The Verge? Yep, that's how it's done. So far, if you go to our video page, verge.com slash, or theverge.com slash video, yep. uh, that is responsive. Um, so we, we are dabbling a bit in it. Yeah. Uh, we'd like to take it there, uh, but it's it's no small feat. Uh, <laughs> right. So we're trying to be smart about things and yeah. uh, not kill ourselves. Um, but yeah, we, we want the best experience for people. Um, so that is something we're thinking about. Cool. So you guys have integrated SAS as sort of a key component of production on your publications. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's there pretty much across the stack from, you know, down to the editor, uh, the editorial tools. Um, yeah. And Why don't we deep, talk a little bit about the back end. How, how did you get involved? When did you first discover SAS or find out about it? And, and uh, what were your feelings initially? And then where'd you go with it? Uh, yeah, Tree Saver, my um, my boss and the DTO of that, Philippe Fortes, said, you need to use this. Um, so <laughs> I had to use it. And that was before the SCSS syntax. Right. Uh, that was before the SCSS syntax. So it was a little bit cryptic. Um, I still really like the SAS syntax, which is a very terse. It's white space. Um, yeah, it's... You kind of nest rules by white space, so it's yeah, um, yeah. It's it's very kind of minimal. It's it flows in a different way than regular CSS. Um, 
Right. But now I use SCSS, which is a very, it's, it's essentially the same thing as CSS, but with extra stuff in it. Um, so yeah, I, I use that. I just like pulled out variables and um, kind of one thing at a time. I'm not traditionally a programmer, so it's um, I didn't really take advantage of everything at the beginning. Like two months into it, it was like, oh, you can do nesting. I was just using variables uh -huh. before. Mm -hmm. um, and then I started using that like crazy. And then I, I've always been kind of aware of the output. Um, but, you know, I, I ran into some issues there. And then I found out about loops, and then I found out about how to generate all of this, uh, but a little bit too much of it. Um, <laughs> but in general, I, I took it fairly slow um, yeah. and gradually built up. Um, and one of the the key learning points was making my first Compass plugin, uh, which was modular scale. Um, and it, as soon as I made that open source, there was immediately some um, some excitement around it, and other people coming in to help me out. So uh, Mason Wendell, uh, coding at Coding Designer, he was wanting to collaborate with me on it. Um, and at that point, I learned about some other great new features of SAS, um, like writing custom functions and uh, creating some other sort of algorithms with. Um, with the code there. So, you know, I can't, uh, can't recommend open sourcing stuff more, um, yeah. because that's been so valuable in in teaching me things, uh, in, in every new project I start, you know, that's, that's a big thing. So with SAS, uh, variables were the thing that sort of hooked you at the beginning. Um, cause it seems like to me, there's always one little thing in SAS. Like for me, it was being able just to concatenate CSS files so that I could yeah. have, you know, this modular approach with 20 different CSS files for different components and then, you know, just compile that on the fly or, or you know, uh, run it through CodeKit and I get a single, you know, nice uh, one big CSS file. And for me, that was like, wow, that's, you know, that's good enough right there. <laughs> and then, of course, variables and the nesting too for me. Um, are you still encountering people who are leery of SAS? They're kind of like, ah, you know, that's just overhead. That's too too much. You know, you can just do all of that stuff with CSS. Not so much anymore. Um, it's I think it's kind of moved on past that. Now I'm noticing people are uh, kind of leery of Compass and mm -hmm. um, some other management tools. Um, but I think, for the most part, everyone is kind of settled on SAS or less, or you know, some preprocessor. Um, hopefully, they're using SAS. But uh, yeah, it's. I, I feel like the debate has moved moved past that, and I'm really happy to see that. Um, there's a lot of valuable tools within preprocessors, mm -hmm. um, and really, what I love about it is not having to. Um, not having to uh, flatten your ideas. Um, like when I make a design, design decision to have the complement of a certain color or when I make the design decision to um, take 50% of some other width, um, 
that decision is not flattened into uh, some something a little bit more cryptic, um, or you know, even just REMS REM calculations. Um, those those kind of are preserved. Mm. Um, you mean like more like yeah. like hard coded? You mean like yeah yeah. So like um, you know, I could say um, black minus gray, and it it uh, it comes out to kind of a, a lighter mm. black, um, and it's it's not it's not like rigidly fixed at uh, a specific color. Um, the the thought process that went into that decision is still there, um, and I, I, th I like to sort of do this with all of my Compass plugins, um, where you're. It's it's about an idea. It's about an abstraction of one of knowledge. It's not just an abstraction of. Um, it's not just an abstraction of code itself. Um, so so like modular scale is one thing I researched an idea, I researched a concept. I didn't just research an Im implementation of that concept. Um, and, you know, you can create these beautiful type typographic scales with it. Uh, I use it a lot during breakpoints and stuff like that because um, breakpoints usually grow exponentially. They're not sort of fixed units. Uh, as you get bigger, you tend to need fewer breakpoints. Um, so, using so maybe, these, maybe these you could explain what modular scale is for people listening who don't know what what that is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think it's kind of the core of what of a lot of what I'm really fascinated about web design in particular. Uh, but a modular, modular scale is a, a series of proportions, um, and each proportion is um, directly related to those around it. So instead of going up in increments of uh, 100, 200, 300, mm -hmm. um, those are increments of 100 each, um, it's, it's exponential. So like 1, 2, 4, um, 8, you know, it's, it just goes, goes up in an exponential curve. Um, and you can you can go up in different, um, in, you know, change the multiple, and kind of tweak how uh, how the scale grows. So there's the golden ratio, for example, and that's something that we find all of the time in the nature. Uh, and what's really unique about that is um, the two smaller things behind, uh, say, your current value mm -hmm. equal your current value. So you can kind of stack things on top of each other. Um, and it equals out to the same value. Um, so as you're changing the scale, you can also um, the, the the proportions kind of stack up and then relate directly to other things. Um, it's a little bit hard to describe just by talking. Um, but uh, so what do you, what do you use it for? You use it for uh, typography for determining widths of elements. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it started out as typography. Um, Tim Tim Brown wrote this fantastic list of part article uh, about more meaningful typography, uh, in in which he talks about how how to use a typographic scale, um, modular scale in typography. 
um, create something that's harmonious uh, and yet has a, a proper sense of, um, um, you know, visual impact, proper hierarchy uh, uh, down the page. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've started using it everywhere. <laughs> so yeah. it started there and then like as I got comfortable with that, I got, you know, um, I got into using it for breakpoints. Um, and it, the function is just ms parentheses and then a number. Um, so I usually go to, if you look at my source code, it's usually like ms parentheses any number, either negative or positive. Uh, just going up and down the scale, and I use that on practically every single value. Um, and it's, you know, what I got used to, what I started using, and uh, I'm really happy with it at the moment. So would you use it for like, um, I mean, is is it about, uh, I mean, can you walk us through maybe through an example? Let's just do talk about type and type sizes. How would you yep. use it? So you wanted to define the height of an H1 or the size of an H1 uh, tag. Okay. Would you use um, modular scale yeah. for that? Yeah. Okay. So let's start at um, at the the base text. So like the paragraphs, um, and let's use a golden ratio, which is one one point six 